Testament. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Exodus 17. Praise the Lord. Wasn't the music wonderful tonight? Amen. We appreciate the music team, don't we? Aren't they wonderful? We appreciate the Sunday school teachers, don't we? Aren't they wonderful too? Amen. And the ladies committee and the ladies organ organizing, we appreciate them too. Who's a, don't leave anybody out now. The young people, we appreciate them as well. <laughs> and the, uh, the preachers in this place, we appreciate them as well. But God is doing something here which is maybe bigger than we think it is. Isn't David Guidi's preaching absolutely rich? Isn't it? His teaching. And God loves you so much that he set David Guidi as a pastor and the teacher of this group of people. He's a gift to you. Do you know that? He's God's gift to you. Domatol, they call it in Greek. The gift, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, teacher, pastor, same person, as a gift to the body of Christ. And he set David Gaudi, and I've known David for 40 plus years. And he's a wonderful, wonderful man of God. And I think it'd be all right to appreciate him. Let's all stand, will we? And show our appreciation to David Gowdy. Isn't he wonderful? Let's do it right now. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You may be seated. To remain, to remain steadfast in the midst of a crazy world, spiritually speaking, is wonderful. Did you know we're on a journey? We're on a journey. I was no good at 100-yard dashes, but see a five-mile race, I was there at the end. My brother and I and two other friends, we used to, I think that's where the fox hounds, we used to be at the finish whenever they were there. Just took off with them and ran for hours. This Christian life that we're on, we're here for the duration. We're not going to bail out. We're signed up. And one day... We're going to get a reward. We're going to see him face to face. Our eyes will actually see Jesus. Are you looking forward to that? Or has this world got such a grip on you that you want to push that away into the future somewhere? I wish it was tonight, folks. We'd see him in all of his beauty. We're on a journey like the children of Israel in this chapter we're looking at, we're on a journey. And someone once said, we're either going into a battle, in a battle, or coming out of a battle. We're on a journey, going through things in this life. And these things were written for our admonition and our learning and our teaching. They experienced it in the Old Testament physically. They went through things. And we do that spiritually today. Like nobody goes out and looks for a few stones and slays a nine-foot giant. Do we? 
That was a lesson that was being taught, how to bring down impossible opposition to a person in your life or a, a situation. And this here is a journey the children of Israel are on. In verse 1 it says these wonderful words, and all, and all, we're going to go a bit slower maybe tonight, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journey according to the commandments of the Lord and pitched at Rephidim. There's no freedom in a vacuum. There's no freedom in a vacuum. There's no freedom in a vacuum. You either belong to one side or you belong to another side. You can't have your own way. There's no such thing as having our own way. Frank Sinatra, remember he said, I did it my way. Sorry, Frank. There's no freedom in a vacuum. If you didn't do it God's way, rough as this may sound, you didn't do it your way, you've signed up with the enemy and you've done it his way. There's no freedom. You either belong to God 100% and that's a wonderful place to be. Or else you belong to the devil 100%. There's no freedom in a vacuum. You can't be, do your own thing. I think it's awful interesting that the tabernacle in the wilderness, whenever they looked at it, it was covered with purpose skins and it was ugly looking. It was not attractive at all. The holiest of all. A holy place that was not attractive. It was ugly to the casual passerby. But once you got in, boy, what a beautiful place. The high priest would come in there. The menorah was there. The table of showbread, the altar of incense, and then they went into the holiest of all. Whenever he went into the holiest of all, it was absolutely beautiful. The gold, the blue, the cherubims, the, 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 the splendor, a different world totally. And on the outside, looking at it, our Lord is like that, you know, to the outside, uninitiated. He looks as if you get saved, you'd lose your life. Yeah. It's over. It's the best thing ever happened to you, actually, whenever you did lose your life, and it is over. And you see the beauty of Christ who lives in you, not for time alone, but for eternity. And he doesn't reduce himself whenever he comes into you. He comes in with all his ability, all his grace, all his love, all his answers to every situation in life. He comes in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's standing at the door tonight. And he says, won't you let me in? What you've experienced up to now has been nothing. Even your zenith of experience of joy. The next day, the next minute, the next five minutes, the next hour, whatever, it's over. But let me in and it'll never be over. The old chorus goes, joy unspeakable and full of glory. The old timers remember that? The half has never yet been told. These people are on a journey and we're joining them on this journey because we are on a journey too. 
And they came to this place. They came to Rephidim. Rephidim means reclining or rest. What had they seen? This group of people had saw the Red Sea opening. Amen. They had saw the ten plagues which killed ten of the gods of Egypt. God revealed his power to them. God saw, they saw the miracles. And they came to this place. They thought it was over. Egypt is a vast, it's just a memory. It's a thing of the past. All those years in bondage, serving a taskmaster, they thought it was over. Now we've entered into a rest. This is a wonderful rest. Refidim, reclining, rest. Do you remember, child of God, whenever you got saved, you entered into a rest. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Amen. But then something happened. They didn't tell you about this on three easy steps or anything else. It says there was no water for the people to drink. There was no water for them to drink. God brought them to Rephidim, a place of reclining and rest. And it was wonderful. You'd want that to last forever. But we're on a journey. There was nothing to drink. No water. The devil tempts you. But I hate to have to tell you this, but it's true. God tests you. God tests you. Maturity is to know the difference between the devil's temptation and God's testing. Because pure gold, it has to be refined and all the impurities have to be taken out of it. Song of Solomon, we're not going to it. There's so many things I could refer to. But it said about a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. And then the writer of the Song of Solomon, Solomon himself, he goes on to explain what's in the garden, all the beautiful things that's in the garden. But then he says this, Come thou north wind and blow thy south wind, blow upon my garden that the spices thereof may flow out. It's very quiet in here. Have you ever had a north wind? Have you ever had a north wind? Thank God it's not all north wind. There is a south wind. It takes a balance of the both. Some people are north wind conscious and they forget about the south wind. Some people are south wind conscious and forget about the north wind. A north wind means opposition, difficulties, trials, testings, ugly situations that you cannot find an answer to in the natural, in the normal. And you have to have an answer which is uh, greater and it'll explain why a north wind should come into our lives. From time to time, God sends a north wind into our lives and it breaks down things and it moves things and it shifts things. It's all to the purpose of the next chapter 5, but we'll not get that in the right away. Then he brings a southern wind. Southern wind is warm, beautiful, fantastic, springtime, honeymoon time, joy. You know that time in your life? Did you ever have that? The time in life when it's, you, you never want it to end. God gives you both. Those two things come into our, into our lives. 
there's Rephidim reclining, and then there's no water. There's a north wind of opposition and difficulties. But what the north wind and the south wind does, it breaks down all opposition. It gets us to the place, and we're not going to turn to the Song of Solomon, but I could go to it. And it says, I'm come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. I've eaten my fruits. Speaking of the Lord coming into the garden. We don't want north winds. Anybody want north wind? Has anybody ever had a north wind? All things work together for good. God enters into all things to bring out of his good and for our for our good and for his glory. Really. You, you know what's happening, folks, to the body of Christ? We're in the washing machine. Because he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's coming back for a beautiful bride. Bride, you, you ladies, remember that day you got married, you were all dressed up, you, you look fabulous. That's what he's doing. He's rearranging our priorities. Unfortunately, north winds, if we're not careful, will make us bitter and resentful and we'll turn away from him. But if we hang in there, the spices and the beautiful things that's in the garden will start flowing out. And it will flow out not only for your benefit, because you'll know more about him. I never learned anything at the top of the mountain. I only met, learned anything in the valleys of life. And bring out for your good and a blessing to others. Amen. Thank God for the south winds too. Uh, there's a scripture that talks about stay me with flagons and comfort me with apples. I've referred to that before. Sustain me with the normal everyday things. Every day, every day, every day. And then occasionally give me an apple. Do you ever get a great big red juicy apple? Just beautiful. Spiritualize it. Was there, has life been ordinary for you? Get up in the morning, go to school, go to work, come home, backslide and watch TV. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. But, you know, every day, every day, every day. And then occasionally, at his behest, he gives you a beautiful apple. In other words, he gives you a wonderful experience. He changes everything. You may say, and I, I'm, I'm like this too, I'm long overdue a beautiful apple. I want one right now. I'm like the little baby when it's born. You know what? I want what I want, and I want it now. I want a beautiful apple. I want the sunshine all the time. But honestly, folks, it leaves something in a person that's not completed. So if God is taking you into the wilderness... He's taken me into the wilderness. He's taken me into the garden shed. Yeah, I've been there. But anyway, and he took Moses into the wilderness for 40 years. What was he doing? Moses didn't know what was going on. He had no idea what was happening. Are, are we at, ever at that place in our lives when we just can't explain the experience that we're having? Moses, something fantastic is coming up. Incredible. Beyond your wildest dreams, you could never imagine it because you thought you'd blown it when you slew the Egyptian and you had to run away and you're away in the backside of a desert. You never heard a thing from God for 40 years. 
40 years, folks. Never heard one of David's sermons. Heard nothing for 40 years. Then God speaks to him when he's seen the burning bush. And the illustration is, as that bush didn't burn out because it was created, it, it was something happened to the bush that it could contain fire. Moses, that's the same thing that's happened to you. You're in the wilderness. You've been in the wilderness for 40 years. You were being treated to contain fire. Do we want ice cream? Do we want pavlova? It doesn't do anything for us, folks. It's a combination of the north winds of our lives and the south winds. God entering into us. It says about Joseph, he was tried all those years whenever he was seemingly going down, 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 but in actual fact, he was actually going up, up, up. It says about him in this book of Psalms about Joseph, iron entered into his soul. So don't try to get out of it too fast. We want to get a trial, a north wind, a difficulty. We want this water shortage here in verse 1 over as quick as possible. But God has to have... Is this all right? You have to have, whether it's all right or not, folks, you have to have the both. Because it does, it puts a quality into your life beyond words. Hallelujah. Beyond words. I dread when I look at these big things on 20, 30 or 40,000 people and they get hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray. I dread them whenever the heaters turned up and, and, and the north wind of opposition and difficulty and lack and trial comes. False, false shepherds have told them it's all ice cream. It's left them facing a future in the world that we're living in, folks, that whenever those things happen, they'll question everything. Did you know whenever the 11th, whenever the, uh, the, the Twin Towers fell, did you know that churches in that part and the greater part of America were filled to the doors? People asking questions. But there was nothing in them whenever they got there. Nothing in them. God's got us in the washing machine, removing everything that's not of him, getting our priorities right. He brings a cold opposition, the lack of water. He brings a blessing of the sunshine. We're in Rephidim. We're relaxing. This is fantastic. Egypt, with all its taskmasters, is over. This is a new day. Hallelujah. From now on, it's eat, drink, and be merry. What did they do when there was no water? It was a test from God. Are we going to serve God? Are we going to serve God when everything goes south? You know what I mean by south? Oh, it's easy to praise God when everything's going good, isn't it? But the real test is to praise God when everything's going bad. 
wherefore the people did chide, they quarreled with Moses and give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide or argue with me? Wherefore do you tempt God? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that you have brought us to Egypt, out of Egypt to kill us and our children? It's going to affect us all. And our cattle and everything we do, everything that we've got is going to affect us all. We're going to die of starvation. Bless Moses' heart. Moses cried unto the Lord. That's a good thing to do whenever you don't know what to do. What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said, see that? God spoke. God spoke. In this difficult situation, there was an answer. You remember whenever Jesus went into the temple? Just bear with me a bit. Whenever Jesus went into the temple, you remember when he made the scourge of small cords and he drove all the money changers and over through the tables and he drove, like, there was two and a quarter million people in Jerusalem at that time celebrating. And here he drove them all out of the temple. And it says this in John 2, it says, Then the disciples remembered the scripture, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. There's a wee secret coming up here. When you don't know what to do, God will show you what to do. They had the answer. If you, if you ever hit a difficult spot and you don't know what to do, go to the Word of God. They remembered it was written. The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Moses prayed and God answered. God is in the answering business. Hmm? God is, he's the one who can explain things to us. He's in the answering business. And, the, and what shall I do unto this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me, Moses said. The Lord said unto them, Moses, go before the people and take with thee all the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smote the river. Take it in thine hand and go. Behold, I will, verse 6, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. Take your rod, the rod you, you used to smite the river, the Red Sea, and it opened. Take it, you're going to smite the rock now. Horeb. It was a desolate place. There was absolutely, listen to me, there was no chance of water in it whatsoever. A desolate place. Totally opposite to what they needed. The absolutely impossible it was never going to happen by human resources. What a place to be when nobody can help us, only the Lord. Can anybody say amen? What a wonderful place to be. Just on a lighter note now. We were in America and uh, this dear lady, she loaned Evelyn a very expensive coat or sh I don't know what you call it whatever it was. And we, we put it in Evelyn Ward because it's cold at the place where we were. And what happened was, uh, <laughs> I was cleaning the car out that we had and there was a box and I put the coat in the box and I set it in the roof of the car and I cleaned the rest out. You know what happened? <laughs> I drove off without it. I drove off and I got round to where we were going. I says, Evelyn, where's the coat? She says, I give it to you. And I said, no, I give it to you. <laughs> 
It's a blame game. But we couldn't find the coat. Oh, dear. I jumped in the car, drove like mad, looking everywhere to the house. It wasn't near there. It wasn't in the house. It was nowhere. Then I remembered I had it on the roof. But then we backed up to a lady's house, and we backed out, you see. And she didn't have it. There's no coat anywhere. And this is the truth. I flew back to the place, and I said, Evelyn, it's not there. She says, it must be. So I drove back again. I came back again, and I said, Lord, please show me where that coat is. Pastor David talked about this type of thing. And I started up the car, and I drove about two or three hundred yards, and there was a box with a coat in it at the side of the road. And nobody could help us. Have you ever been there? It's only a small thing, but it meant a lot. You get to the place where nobody can help you, only the Lord. This is horrible, this, this horrible place. There was absolutely no way there was going to be any change. This is wilderness. The Lord says, Stand thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it. Uh, the, the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. There's a shadow and type. This is a picture of Calvary. Jesus was smitten once. Hallelujah. This is soterion salvation. And out of that smiting on, on Calvary flew, uh, flowed life. Life. You saved tonight. What does salvation mean to us? Well, we're going to go to heaven. We're not going to hell. And if we need a miracle like healing, we can get a miracle of healing. I've got a book at home by Dakes, Dakes Bible, plus a commentary. And there's 60 separate applications in it for the word soterion, salvation. 60. And it, salvation is such an incredible word. It not only deals with our sin, the cause of it and so forth, but it deals with everything in our life in this dispensation we're in until we see him face to face. Everything. Did you hear what I said? Everything. It covers everything, big or small, awkward or unusual. I mean to say, a coat in a box at the side of a road. Would God be interested in that? If it bothers me, he would be interested in it. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities, not just our infirmities per se, the difficulties, whatever it is, sickness or whatever it is, but the very emotion of it. The big things. Have you ever lost something in the house and you searched for it? I did it again today. It was just receipt we got from a thing we bought last week. I couldn't find it just in anywhere. And we were blaming Evelyn and she was blaming me, you know, that sort of way. And then I, 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 I blamed a little pink box with a 
knives on the top of it that cuts it all up, you know. So then I went and got where I had emptied it, and there's no yellow paper in there. Then I just said, Lord, please show me where that is, and I lifted my head, and there it's sitting. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous, Willie. Don't be stupid. You mean to say salvation covers everything? Yes. But if you only believe salvation, wonderful, not taken away from it because without it we're lost, that it only covers the forgiveness of our sins and a ticket into heaven. If you believe that, you're going to go to heaven. Praise God. But it's more than that. If you believe it's more than that. There's a rock in Horeb, a desert place. And life was going to flow out of that rock, which was going to feed, um, quench the thirst of two million people plus their livestock. A rock. What did they do? And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of that place Massa and Marab Marabah quarreling and strife because the chiding or the arguing, the quarreling of the children of Israel. Uh, you know, uh, you know the, the, the present of, you know, it talked about the, 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 the doctors of the law in Jesus' day. They were all there and were waiting for him to say something so they could jump on it, on him with an argument. And there was a very negative, if you use that sort of word, atmosphere. But in the middle of it, the presence of the Lord was present to heal. I've, I've, I've seen these characters, you know, have to have the first four roses on my people for they all know how I act. You know that type of... In the darkest night, he's there. In the most awkward position of life, he's there. And his presence is there to heal. Not based upon anything other than his grace and his love and his mercy and his soterion, his all-encompassing love and grace for every single one who is redeemed. Is this a, and they said, is it because, because they tempted the Lord, saying in verse 7, is the Lord amongst us or not? That upset him. That upset the Lord. They said, is God amongst us or not? That upset them. But here they got water, which is a picture to be fulfilled when our Lord was on Calvary 2,000 years later. Not only a, a provision of the water for where they are, but a picture speaking of eternity and the door that was going to be opened for sin and unrighteousness for the entire world. What a day of rejoicing it should have been. It was to his extent. Have you ever had a great victory in your life? You know, something wonderful happened. Praise God. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Amalek. Amalek means dweller in the valley. You'll see him here in a few more verses we'll look at. Amalek means a dweller in the valley. God doesn't want you to dwell in the valley, folks. Hallelujah. 
you go past, you go through the valley of, blessed men go through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. Where's that other? Hosea. You remember Hosea 2, it says, the valley of Achor, the door of hope in the valley of despair. You go through these things. This Amalek, he wanted to keep them there. He wanted to defeat Israel and, and, and leave them in such a devastated way that they would think it's normal to live in the valley. Go ahead, will it keep going? And Moses said to Joshua, Joshua, Yeshua, which means can I help? which is Jesus in the New Testament. He says these words, Choose out men and go and fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand upon the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Choose out men. Hallelujah. And go down into the valley and fight. What's this saying to me? Choose, choose people who are prepared to accompany you into the valley and fight. Hmm. And, and, and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. Hmm. You know, whenever you know Christ and he comes into your life, you become chosen, called out to be in an army. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I want to go on a cruise liner. No, no, we're in an army. A member of the ecclesia, the called out amongst those that are not called out, chosen amongst those that are not chosen. Go down with Joshua. Joshua. And fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. <laughs> I don't mean Barry McGuigan now. But uh, can you fight? Can you fight? Kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I want to ask you again, can we fight? Can you fight? Hands up all those who can fight. One, three, the rest, well, we'll carry you. But the Christian life is a fight. The word of the flesh and the devil. He said, go down. Joshua, it's going to be with you. You're going to go down into the valley and you're going to fight Amalek, this person who continually wants to keep you in the valley. The choice is really the choice is very simple. It's ours whether we want to live in the valley all of our lives or whether we want to get out of the valley. If you want to get out of the valley, you're going to have to go to war with Amalek because he wants you in the valley and keeps you in the valley. And that's what his desire is, to keep you down the poor. How many called many in here? Moaning many. You ever meet them? I mean, you know, the sunshine, uh, but it'll be rain tomorrow. And that's in a flippant way, but you know what I mean? <laughs> It'll never last. 
No, I'm trying to put steel into you the way circumstances this last 40 years has put it into me. I'm going on. Irrespective of what happens. And who doesn't want to go? We're going to go on. I'm too far upon my journey now to ever think of turning back into this world of sin. I may not be the first one in the kingdom. Surely, make it in. Amalek, go down and fight with him. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the valley. This battle is not a physical battle. They've had a physical battle, but a shadow and type. This is a spiritual battle. And you have help. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. That shows the humanity of the whole situation, doesn't it? It's a bit like, again, like the tabernacle in the wilderness. There's all those be- beautiful golden pieces of furniture, wood overlaid with gold, some of them, some of them pure gold. Absolutely incredible, beautiful. But they were on an earthen floor. God has made provision for our humanity. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it? He knows when you feel victorious and he absolutely knows when you want to pull the car into the roadside and go to sleep for half an hour. I felt like that on the way down. That's why I put that. (laughs) When you feel weak, but it makes no difference to his love for you and his grace and his mercy for you. Moses held up his hands. Whenever his hands were held up, Israel prevailed. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of worship. It's a whole list of things. But anyway, when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on, hallelujah. Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. This is a family group. Did you know that? Aaron and Moses were were brothers. And her, it's believed by a lot of the commentators, was um, Miriam, Moses and Aaron's sister. Her husband was her, it's believed. But they all got together at the top of this hill. Aaron was a high priest. He held up one hand. Hallelujah. We have a great high priest, a pontifex, a bridge between us and God. That's where the Catholic people get pontiff from. Anyway, pontifex, a bridge between us and God. We have a great high priest, hallelujah. And he's holding up our hands. He's holding up Moses' hands here. And then her, her was a rather, I found this part out later on this afternoon, late Miriam's husband, he was a grandfather. Her was a type of the Holy Spirit. His grandson was Baziel. Who was Baziel? Baziel was the man, young man that worked in the tabernacle in, the, in Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness that was so gifted. The city was, he had incredible hands. He was gifted that he could take gold and 
fashion it without sticking bits together with super glue or something, but fashioning gold rims around the altar of incense, around the mercy seat, beaten out of the pure gold, the, the face of the two angels looking at each other, their eyes looking down. He was the one that had tremendous ability. That's a type of the Holy Spirit. We must put flesh and blood in this. He gets out of a religious environment. This is out of a religious environment. And he comes on the scene to help where people live. Isn't that wonderful? Where you are. And it said here, they took a stony, Moses sat on it, Aaron and her stayed up his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady unto the going down of the sun. Whenever they were fighting in the valley, and whenever they looked to the top of the hill, I hope you get this one, they were looking at Moses' hands being held up. Can I put it a wee bit different? Now listen, they were looking at the man in the middle on top of the hill. Who's the man in the middle at the top of the hill? Who's the man in the middle? Our Lord, of course. They kept their eyes on him. And help from heaven is on its way. The Lord said to Moses, write this. Uh, Joshua discomfort Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword, which is the word of God. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for memorial in a book. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. See that? And what he's actually saying here is, I don't want my people to live at the bottom of the valley to be a dweller at the bottom of the mountain. To always be in, what's it the Americans say, a day late and a dollar short. To always be struggling. I want my people to live in victory all the days of their life. Well, what about Paul? Oh yeah, let's look at Paul. He, Paul said, he said these words, he said, I was delivered out of the paw of the lion. Wow, that's incredible, Paul. That means you're, you're going to go home and you're going to write a book. No, no. I'm just going to get my head taken off in the morning with one clean swipe. Hmm. Bit different, isn't it? But he had the victory in his soul, no matter where he found himself. He says, what does this say here? He says, write this for a memorial in a book. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. 
And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, which means victory, so we can have the victory, whether we're in the victory or out of the victory, because the victory is a person. And he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Hallelujah. There'll come a day when all the, the remembrance of Amalek will be over. But in the meantime, I'm going to have victory over Amalek from generation to generation. Can you see anywhere we're going here? We're almost through. Hmm. Because the Lord has sworn, I will make war with Amalek from generation to generation. What did Moses do? He went up to the top of the hill, Joshua. He went down to the valley. When Joshua looked to the top of the hill, he had an assurance seeing Moses' hands up. And he got renewed strength. And he won the battle. Now listen, this is near the end of it. I'm... You fight the best when you learn how to rest the most. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. One of the names uh, for Hebrew name for trust in the Old Testament is to roll the burden on the Lord. It's to be able to roll the burden on the Lord. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my strength, my God in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Are you going to rest by rolling everything unto the Lord? This is, it says here in Psalm 18, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Imagine, just the sake of argument, that you had a friend who left you, I don't know what, what figures could you say? A million pounds. And you were living in a wee shack somewhere, hardly having enough to eat. Your father has left you, I'm only using money for an illustration, everything that you need. Will you not rule the care of everything so tarry on salvation was provided for everything? Guidance, opening doors. Amalek says, it's not for you. That's only for a chosen few. 
You have to struggle and live in that situation the rest of your life. Joy is like the carrot in front of the donkey, and you will never get it. But when the rock was smitten, and the water flowed, flowed out, and there was enough for everybody, Let's just say that again. And the Lord have sworn the Lord will make war with Amalek from generation to generation. Hallelujah. I, I have too much written down there. I hope I've stirred, I've been stirred up by it. The provision is full. Why, folks, we back off some things is because we have seen the abuse of things. And we don't want to be identified with it. But it's your Father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. He is, it's his purposes. He wants to open doors for us. He wants to guide you into green pastures. So the answer to misuse is not no use. It's right use. If we expect to get nothing, we'll get nothing. What was the Chinese problem, proverb? Blessed is he that expects nothing, for he shall not be disappointed. If I go over to this here machine and I take that plug out, that machine doesn't work. This is not a little illustration. You just got to keep it plugged in for it to work. Did you ever put a coat on and you had left it off for a while? Yeah, you had put it aside for a while. Maybe you only need it during the winter or something and you, you left it aside and you got it and you put it on again. Oh boy, that just feels great. <laughs> what have I putting on the coat of, I believe God. <laughs> I have nothing to support that, but it just feels better with, <sighs> What? I believe God. I believe God. Maybe if one person gets that tonight, that'll be all right. It's so different whenever you just say, I believe God. What do we finish now? Try that first one. This is how you put this all into operation. This is how you make this operational in your life. No, no, it's all right. Like, how is it? Somebody sent me an email recently, folks, and they said, how is it we believe now listen to this, challenged me. How is it we believe the words of every man and doubt 
the words of God. Don't, don't, don't put your hand up. Keep a poker face so I don't know who anybody has ever been like that. But let me tell you, I have been like that. Circumstances look so threatening sometimes. No water. And I thought we we're going to come out here in Rephidim reclining and we're going to have an abundance of everything. And the first place I find myself in is not being tempted by the devil, but being tested by God because he's a greater purpose, a greater reason for bringing me out of Egypt. He's purifying my motives. He's purifying my thoughts. He's purifying my desires. He's purifying things that I thought were important that are no longer important. It's a test we go through. I'm going to tell you again about the Mercedes. I told you that story, didn't I? Well, I'll not tell you it again anyway. Trust him. Trust him. When everything's going crazy, when you don't want to go to church, when you want to stay in bed and the old flesh says, stay there. No, I'm going to go and I'm going to hear David Gowdy. I'm going to hear the preaching of God's word and I'm going to be a better person than the person that went in. Trust him. He knows best. What's in this? Seven Hebrew words. We get them in the English as trust. Trust is a fascinating word. There are seven Hebrew words all translated trust in the Old Testament. The word trust appears 155 times in the Old Testament. We get our word faith in the New Testament, or peace is the Greek, which comes from trust in the Old Testament through some children, the 70 scholars. We get it as faith, but start off as trust, uh, as uh, these seven Hebrew words. We get it now as peace, as faith, and then we understand that because we're English, we get it as trust. We think it's all trust, the one word. Go ahead to the next one, please. The first one is bata. First, this is the original meaning of it. It's putting your full weight on. Putting your full weight on God. How am I going to get that coat for that lady? How is it we went to that place in the immigration department in, in, in Tampa, and whenever Evelyn and I walked in, there was about 500 people in the place. And you went in, and you picked up a wee tag at the door, your number, and the 500 people in front of us. And we noticed a number when the machine clicked up, and this lady and her husband went up to the window to speak to the person. The lady left. You know what she did? This is the truth because the Lord's listening. Everyone's listening to me. That lady walked between everybody. Everybody, 500 people. She stood right in front of me and she said, whenever we came in, we took two tickets. Would you like my one? Up it went and we just, thank you very much. We were the next one. I'm, I'm a legal term. I'm putting you on notice to look out for God's divine interventions. So tarry on is God's divine interventions. In Horeb, in the Rocky, in that desert, there's going to be water in the desert. Or have we been so used to deserts that we think there's going to be no more water? God's a God of immense capabilities and abilities. Oh, don't try to tell me that God is dead. He woke me up this morning. Be secure without fear as a man leaning upon. That's the old, old, old way to do it. On the top, it'll support you. 
total confidence in God. Total confidence, total absolute confidence. Not, not trying, well, uh, uh, we'll test, we'll try, Willie. Because we've tried everybody else, we'll try, Willie. No. I'll try this. No. That is enough. God's almighty word into our souls. That's God's written word. Don't doubt what he says. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He who has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. If Moses 40 years hear nothing and God appeared to him, what a change. Okay, we better keep going. We'll be here all night. To flee for refuge. Run. It doesn't talk about physical running. It's talking about, I've got to get into the presence of God. I've got to get the Bible open. I've got to go to church. I'm going to go. A.M. Top Lady wrote that old hymn. Remember that old hymn? Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Anyway, keep going on. Oh, it does say it there. A man. This is where the Pentecostal people say this is the only one for faith. No, it's not. There's all those words mean trust or faith, the same thing. It means to rest with total confidence in God. Amen means amen. I've got it. I know it. You can't argue me out of my name. My name's Willie Dick. If everybody in here said my name is Joe Soap, it wouldn't work. I know my name's Willie Dick. That's where you get in faith. You get, you're supernaturally empty of doubt, and you know that 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 you know. Total confidence, God's in this. This is going to work. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Got all, got all. To rule on means a wheel or a circle. This is the one I was referring to, the beast of burden. It's to rule, rule your burdens away, to rule all your cares upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. Keep flying on. Cool means to tarry or wait, trusting while twisting. This is all in a companion Bible. If you've got, anybody got a companion Bible in here? Bullinger, companion Bible. It's a great Bible. It means to tarry or wait for trusting while twisting in labor pangs. Here's a lady, largely pregnant. She's about to give birth. She can't do a lot of things that she was able to do before. She can't do them now. Why? Because it's getting near, closer and closer to having the baby. Living in a... She, She's prepared to put up with every inconvenience because she's expecting a miracle. She's expecting new life. Hallelujah. Are you... Be- am I... Am I? Is this getting anywhere? Are we... Well, I'm not going back there because Clifford goes on too long and he never shook my hand. You'll never make it. What's coming down the pike as Americans, what's coming down the road, folks, is going to be a resolute conviction that God is with us, come what may. David referred to it this morning. This missionary, this man over wherever it was, he was going to be beheaded. Oh, easy way out is to deny. Well, you know, no, you know, but you'll be, you'll be free. No, he wouldn't know, and God wouldn't know. Yacht on to wait on, on for total confidence, to be patient in God's timing and timings. God hasn't forgotten about you, though God slay me. Old Job said, and he made mistakes in his life, but who hasn't? And he says, Oh God, slay me! Yet I'll trust Him. I total confidence in Him. I believe God. Keep on. I think to rely on, to attend, to be faithful in service during difficult times it would have been easy for the the Hebrew boys. It would have been easy for Daniel. 
you know, just to get to bypass that test. I said, no. I am a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. And I'm not doing it on my own. He has taken us through the valleys of life. He has put something in us which could not be received any other way. You know, you could have it all up here and not have it in here. You know that? You could have all the intellectual understanding of all these things. I think that's the last one, isn't it? That's Rackets to rely on, to attend, to be faithful and serve during difficult times. That's it now. We could have it in here. But God is so practical. So Terion reaches every aspect of a person's life. Everything. I, I hope I've got that over. It's the spiritual things and it's not the spiritual things. He's interested in everything. Yes. Did we get anything out of this tonight? We're too far upon our journey now to ever think of turning back into this world of sin. I'm going to take a promise. I'm going to take a promise and tell the devil to get out of my way. Is Is that what you've got? Is that what you've got? He'll flee. You resist him, not in your own strength. You submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I'm going to take a promise and believe it today and tell the devil to get out of my way. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Father, we thank you. We feel humbled, dear Lord, being in this fantastic place with these beautiful people, Lord, and such a great teacher as David, Father. God, I thank you for helping me tonight, Father. God, I've done, I felt what you want me to do, Lord, to, oh God, just trust you and to believe you and take you at your word. Bless in Jesus' name. Without music or anything,